For today, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. And we'll move into that series next week and even dig more into uh, Mount Carmel. We are going to talk about that. But here in, in 1 Samuel 7, we're going to look down at verse 12. And we're going to look at what it means to have what we were just singing about. Because as a pastor, my heart, and I've said this many times and I'll say it many more, my heart is to lead you into a place where you are blessed, you are thriving, you are close to God, and your life literally is permeated with the blessings of God. A lot of times we have the wrong notion that God is a respecter of people. God is not a respecter of people. God is a respecter of His principles that He put in His Word for us to obey and follow. In other words, if you see a promise and a principle in the Word of God and you apply yourself to walking that out by faith, you will see the results of that principle in your life. We're going to look at this today and talk about a few things and, and kind of dig out here in 1 Samuel chapter 7 of what I felt on, the, on my heart as the Lord was giving to me. Look down here at verse 12 of 1 Samuel 7. Verse 12, Then Samuel, great prophet of God, took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Now look back this way. I've been talking about the last few weeks, especially on Wednesday nights. I just felt like the word for me and for us corporately at the beginning of the year was that we can build altars in our life to God. An altar is a place where you... Put something there to, I think, number one, to commemorate an encounter with God that changes your life. How many understand we should be encountering the presence of God? And in encountering that presence, we can build an altar. An altar is a place that we build that we're going to continually offer sacrifices, continually come back and, and give something to God. So it not only commemorates, but it also is a place of sacrifice, a place of obedience, in a place, as we see here, he sets it up and he names it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped me. How many would say this morning that God has helped you so far? <laughs> I'm in the right place this morning. And I want to tell you, if, if I said that and there's not something that immediately pops in your mind, you're not thinking about it enough. Because I love an old Clint Brown song that I sing to myself often. But he says, Where would I be? You only know. I'm glad you see with eyes of love. An empty space, a hopeless case, if not for grace. Amen. Because I don't know about you, but if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God, if it had not been that the Lord had helped this man, I'd probably still be in the bar. Amen? Some of you all would be behind bars. You'll get that later. If God had not been on my side, church... If the Lord God had not helped me, if the Lord God had not seen my affliction, if the Lord God had not come to me and pulled me out of the miry clay and set this man's feet upon a rock, he's a good God and he sets up this Ebenezer. He raised an Ebenezer and set up an altar there in commemoration saying, the Lord has helped. Look at verse 13 with me this morning. So the Philistines were subdued. And they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against 
the Philistines. How many, how many this morning would just say the pressures, the attacks, the spiritual, the spiritual attack, the spiritual warfare, all those things? How many would say this morning, man, I would love to get the, the enemy under my feet this morning. I would love to get the enemy backed off so I could have a little breathing room because I don't know about you, but I'll speak for this man. Over the last two, three years, the spiritual warfare has kicked up a notch. The spiritual warfare has come to a new place. But I just came to tell some folks this morning that God has prepared you for that warfare. We shrink back from it thinking that God is not on our side, but nothing can be further from the truth. Because folks, let me tell you that I've learned, that I've learned, that I've learned, that if I'm heading in the same direction as the devil, I don't get any resistance. But when you make a turn and begin to head against the flow of culture and head against the flow of everything going on in your life, there is going to be a pushback from the enemy. I grew up in a, in a and, and this is really basically my whole entire point in sermon and has been many times throughout the years, is that we are not supposed to live defeated Christian lives. That is, that is, that is the exception, not the norm. But what I find in most people's lives is that they're living defeated. They're living under the rule of the enemy. They're living under the thumb of the enemy. And I came to give you a good word this morning that there are some things that we can do in a practical way by way of obedience and sacrifice that will see the enemy finally defeated and put under. Because it said there in the Bible, it didn't mean the the Philistines were completely wiped out. It it meant that they were still there, but they were subdued. How many could say, I need the enemy to be subdued in my life? So that I can finally get moving forward with why, because I think the theme of not only altars and arcs, the presence of God and the altar that we can build in our lives to God, but also an understanding that that there are principles and patterns in God's word that we can apply to our lives to see victory come forth. It said God's hand would be against them the rest of their lives. Verse 14, the towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored. Everybody say restored. Restored. And Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Now look back this way and I'm going to comment on this one for just a few minutes. But I think it's important to understand anytime you're reading the Word of God, let me paint you a bigger picture than maybe what you're familiar with. Because a lot of times we read the Word of God just to maybe check a box off of, okay, I got through this chapter and I got through that and I I was able to to get this part done. But really when you're reading the Word of God, especially in the Old Testament, there there was a recording of what happened and there was a direct manifestation. So in other words, what we just read is exactly what happened. But what we also do as believers here in 2024 is we look at these stories and we understand there is a spiritual application. The Philistines had been coming against the people of God for decade after decade. If you see this pattern in the Old Testament especially, you're reading your Bible well and you're reading it off enough to begin to pick it up. Look at the book of Judges. The pattern was the enemies of God came in. They would not believe God for deliverance. They would not operate by what God's principles were. So they would begin to set up idols in their land. They would begin to set up idols in their homes. They would begin to set up idols in their lives. And whenever we put an idol above God, things are not going to go well for you. And the Philistines, which is a spiritual analogy or a spiritual type of our enemy, the devil, he is coming to come in and to press in on our lives and to to hem us in. But I came to tell some folks this morning that my God is a delivering God. 
My God is a God that will heal. My God is a God who will get a hold of that family member that you don't think could ever get saved. I have a vision of victory this morning. Because right here in the Word of God, He said, the Lord has helped us. So not only was the hand of the Lord against the Philistines, but there was also a couple of towns that had been lost to the Philistines that were restored. And I think for some of you, some territory in your family, some territory with your kids, some territory in your finances and your academic pursuits that you are supposed to take. And the enemy has been allowed, I think, for the 2023 to come in and to take some things from you. And I want to declare to you today that we are going to get back what the devil stole. Amen. Amen. God is going to restore yours back. Why? Because the Lord has helped us. In other words, God is on your side, church. He's for you, not against you. I'm not under His feet. He's under my feet. Amen? Too much has been taken from us, and we just need to sometimes spiritually rise up, like days like today, hopefully, and we just say, Devil, I'm drawing a line in the sand. You can't have anything that God gave me. Amen? You can't have my health. You can't have my finances. If you've lost your peace today, I want you to get your peace back. If you lost your joy today, I want the Lord to restore some joy, the joy of your salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And in this text, what happened, it said, in Samuel's lifetime, they never dealt with the Philistines again. And then it goes on to say that Samuel took stones and he built an altar there and he named it Ebenezer, which meant the Lord has helped us. And what was going on is the Israelites had been enslaved by the Philistines. They had taken over, they had come in and taken over territory, they would taken over the land. And here was the kicker, and if you go back about 20-some years before this story that we're talking about right here in the Bible, the Philistines had gotten so bold that they had come in and literally taken the very ark of the covenant of God. Now, the ark of the covenant of God, and we've talked about this the last few weeks, was representative of the very presence of God in the midst of the people. So not only had they taken their, their families captive, not only had they taken their, their crops and their grain and the things they were, they were completely under the thumb of the enemy. And not only did they do all that, they said, if this is what you're worshiping, if this is the source of your power, if this is the source of, of what you worship, then we are going to take it and to steal it. So the ark is gone. And 20 years prior that we're reading here, the ark comes back to Israel. Now, the ark coming back to Israel means that the presence of God had come back to the people of God. But I want you to notice something. I think this is very important because I believe we have a church that fosters an atmosphere for the presence of God, hopefully, to flow into this place because I've told you a million times and I'll tell you a million more. It is not another sermon that you need. You need to have an encounter with Jesus. That's what you need. But here in the story, and this always confused me because I read it and I thought, wait a second, David, and we talked about this uh, in, in one of my messages here recently, that David had said, we need to get the presence of God back in our midst. We need to center our lives around the presence of God, the worship of God, the, the, the adoration of God, the sacrifices that we can make right here at the altar because the ark, one day a year the whole, in the Holy of Holies, the priests would go in and it was such a fearful thing and it was such a holy thing 
They, they were afraid that if he did something wrong, he would die right there. The Ark of the Covenant, when it was being brought back on a new cart, Uzzah sticks out his hand and touches it, and he's killed instantly. So 20 years before, David has brought back the Ark of God, but they're still in bondage to the enemy. I want that to sink into your heart this morning because just because we say that we have access to the presence of God, listen to me really closely, because the access to the presence of God has been bought and paid for with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We don't come into the presence of God because you're so good and you're so holy. But it does mean that we can see some principles here in this story by which the people of God had the presence of God in their midst, but they were still under the, the, the enemy's hand and thumb and under his foot. Because listen to me, presence of, when the presence of God comes back to the people, and I saw that as a mystery, because you can have acceptance before God. Listen, the reason that you're accepted before God is Jesus, through His grace and mercy, clothed you in a robe of righteousness. He has provided for you the way into God. But the presence of God comes back and the people of God are still under bondage. Jesus' blood and grace and mercy, and and you come in because of that blood and grace and mercy. But listen to me, just because you have access to the presence of God doesn't mean that you're you're getting in and, and inquiring, requiring power from the presence of God. Let me say that again and make it a little bit more plain. The Ark of the Covenant comes back to the people of God. God's covenant, God's Ark, God's symbol of His presence. David set up an open-air tent. He puts it in Jerusalem, and they begin to worship and sing psalms, and, and the presence of God is there, and the people of God are worshiping God. Now, skip ahead 20 years later. And at this point, the people of God are under the oppression of the enemy. They're under the enemy coming in and stealing the territory, stealing what belongs to the people of God. And it's like the people of God are ambivalent because the very thing that is going to give them victory, they already have. They just didn't access it. You have access to the presence of God not to have goosebumps and to feel better even though that that's all well and good. You have access to the presence and the power of God in order to rebuke the enemy off your stuff. We are not to live... Listen to me so closely. It doesn't mean that this man right here even doesn't wake up some days and I have maybe faith the size of a mustard seed. Maybe. And oftentimes we talk about the size of our faith when really what God wants to do is not worry about the size. He wants to see your faith grow from from this season to the next season and this season to the season after and your faith begins to grow because we have access to the very power of God. And here's here's another thing that we don't understand. Every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's the Word of God. So that means every good promise that God has spoken in and over your life and you find in the Word, it is yes and amen. But what we fail to understand, and I kind of set you up this morning because I read the very end of this story about how God was their help and they saw their territory return. They saw the enemy back up. They saw the enemy not mess with them. The rest of Samuel's life, the enemy was never able to come in and take something from them again. But I want to tell you something. Even though that you have a promise before you that God has said, if you will not go through the process, you will never see the promise. 
You won't. The, the, the promises of the Bible are conditional. Are you hearing me this morning? And I, as a pastor now, for all the years I've been pastoring, and even and what we want to do, and we all do this, is, is we look at each other's lives, and we look at somebody else and say, man, look how blessed they are. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you're comparing your life to somebody else's highlight reel. Come on. You are. Because the picture we paint on Facebook is a picture. The picture we paste on, post on Instagram, those are, it's kind of like Christmas pictures, right? If you see my Christmas picture, man, we're all just like, you know, smiling and loving on each other. You didn't see the dog run off into the woods and I had to chase him. And you didn't see my son like, I don't want to take, but smile, smile, smile. And then you all smile and you get this cute little picture. Because, see, we look at other people's lives and we see the blessing. So then we get down on ourselves and we're saying to ourselves, well, God, why am I not blessed like that? Don't compare blessing to blessing. Here's what you need to be comparing. Obedience to obedience. Oh, come on. <laughs> I've had this happen in my life several times and it just it really just staggers me. But then I stop and think, well, Lord... People look at my life, and I've, I've even heard little comments, oh, yeah, Pastor. And it's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I am blessed more than what I've ever dreamed, more than what I've ever desired, to be honest. I'm more blessed sometimes by accident than what I am even on purpose. I am. We are blessed. But go back with me in times of my life where I had to work the process of that blessing in the process of that blessing we're going to look at here in just a minute in the same chapter, I went to the end of the story because I want you to see the blessing. I want you to see the result. And as a pastor, there's nothing, there's nothing more difficult than to continually work with people and to give them the answer that's right there in front of them from the Word of God. And God's Spirit just witness with you, this is the direction, this is what you need to do. This is, you know, if, if you're without finances, don't come to me and complain about your finances if you're not a giving person. Amen? Amen. But, but Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling with lustful thoughts about my girlfriend. Tell me about your life. Well, we, we spend all of our time alone together. Yeah. Right? In other words, people want to look and say, man, look how blessed, but they don't see the tough. Listen, the person sitting on your row, you may say, man, how blessed I want to. And that's okay to say, man, I, I see God moving in your life. I see God answering prayers. I see I want what you have. And there's nothing wrong with that because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. There's something of an example. But listen, honey, you need to see the tears that were shed in prayer. <laughs> you need to see those lonely times. Amen. Amen. You need to see those tough times. You, you need to see some of those times when I've come in here and lifted my hands to the Lord and I could barely get them above my shoulders, much less above my head. Those times where I didn't even want to get out of bed occasionally. Amen? I told Leah one time, I'm like, Leah, I, I, I'm just going to stay in and sleep. She's like, you're the pastor. You have to go. You, you, you got to get up. I told her this morning, so I'm having a little trouble getting my engine cranked up. Anybody ever have trouble getting your engine cranked up? But listen to me. Those are the times when you will grow the most. 
those are the times that you are going to actually see. Because listen, we all want the blessing. We all want the enemy to back up. We want to shout, holler, and, and, and celebrate. God, I'm taking my territory back. And I believe with all my heart in 2024, some of you are going to get this deep into your heart this morning, this word. And there's going to be some territory that the enemy thinks he's camped out on and he's safe. And he's not going to, he's, he's just going to be there and stay there. But listen, I'm serving notice to the enemy that he's had our stuff for long enough. He's had my joy. He's had my family. He's had my health. He's had my joy and my peace and all these things that God promised me because if there's a promise in God's Word, not one good promise of God has ever failed. But I may have failed at working the process to the promise. Are you hearing, Pastor, this morning? Because I guarantee you there's a process. We'll see it right here in this Word. There's a process that we see Samuel began to take them through, that it wasn't just Samuel showing up and saying, hey, guys, you're, you're defeated. The presence of God is right here in your midst, but you're not accessing the power of that presence. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. Number one today, here's number one reason, is, and we'll look at the scripture. Let me pull it up here. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. I mean, we love, I'm getting my stuff back from the devil. You start talking about obedience, everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't make eye contact with me. Don't make eye contact with me. Don't make eye contact with me. And I want to show you three things from this chapter. And I want this season to be a season of faith building. I want this season to be a season for you of moving forward. I want this season to be a season for this church to continue to move forward and to affect our little community of Homosassa, Florida. Amen? Amen. There's some things we have to do. Verse 3 of chapter 7. Again, I'm going to take you back up to the top. Verse 3 of chapter 7. We ended with it down at the bottom of the blessing. God has been our help. The enemy has pushed back. We've gotten our territory back. We've gotten those things the enemy has stolen back. And here in chapter 3 of verse 7, it says, So Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all of your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Cause and effect. Condition of God to say if. Everybody say if. if. Do you know how often if is in the Bible? So we sit on a row and we say, why is that person walking in freedom? Why is that person walking in the joy of the Lord? Why is that person, it seems like everything they do, just comes to a natural place of blessing and God's favor is upon it? And it's called if. Because we want to look at somebody else's blessing, but we don't want to notice the obedience. So what, God, what is God calling us to do? Number one today, if you're taking notes, is just examine your heart. God's calling us as a church body. God is calling us as the people of God, especially in the United States of America, where I can't pull up my news feed without seeing another ministry exposed for awful things that they're doing. Where I can't open up my... What God is doing is He's peeling back the things people have been hiding behind. I'm telling you. In other words... You didn't see Jesus get angry very often, but the times that he did, he went into his house and he flipped. Remember, that was his house. He flipped over some tables and braided a whip and said, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. 
Because you're taking advantage of the people. You don't love them like you're supposed to love them. You don't treat them. But there's a place where we come to before we ever see the, the, the Ebenezer, the altar made. There's a first place we have to stop at, and that's just simply examining our hearts. So in other words, in the story, it wasn't about the position of the ark. The ark and the presence had come back to the people of God. It wasn't a position of the ark that was a problem. It was a position of their hearts. Are you hearing, Pastor? It's always a heart issue with God. Because we can dress nice and we can put on the smile and we can come to church. And, 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 and in other words, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's a purity of heart that God wants and desires to work in His people that we are examining ourselves, looking for any chink in the armor. If you put your armor on, the armor of God that Ephesians talks about, listen, what some of you need to do is begin to look for chinks in the armor because that is where the enemy is going to come and attack. This is not a season to be sitting on your hands singing Kumbaya. It's a season where the enemy, if he would be allowed, will kill, steal, and destroy... What God has for us. And this isn't meant to, to put fear in you. What it's meant to do is to stir up something in everybody, including myself, to say, God, search me and know me, like David said. God, see if there be any wicked way in me. The first place that you may be at today is to say, oh, I don't have to search my heart because everything's just wonderful and good. Listen, that's the first place that you're going to get in trouble. Because we all need to search our hearts. And here's the thing I've noticed about searching my own heart. Some of the things I find in there are surprising because a lot of stuff just creeps in. Amen? It just, it just slowly creeps in. It's not, here, here's when I get in trouble. I get in trouble when the blessing comes. And I'm not going to talk about you. When the blessing comes and I forget about who the blesser is. When that blessing comes, I begin to forget about all the, the obedience and all the things and one thing I've, I've asked of the Lord is simply this, is to keep me in a place where I'm always dependent upon you. And church, that is a dangerous prayer. I'm like, well, I didn't want to walk through all that. But then I look up and I'm so close. The position of my heart that may have been far from the ark is now right laid on the altar of the ark. That, that place that we get in sometimes where we need God. In other words... Look at what idols, that's what he told him to do. He said, search your hearts. If you'll search your heart and identify the idols that are there. And we say, what, what's an idol? What is it? Anything that has your mind's attention and your heart's affection, church. An idol is anything that has your mind's attention and your heart's affection. Because whatever has your mind's attention and your heart's affection, I promise you this morning, you're worshiping it. What Samuel is saying is clean out all the things that have, become, that have come between God and yourself. God is saying, I want to bring you close. God is saying, I want to bring you into my presence. God is saying that that presence will literally be a lifeline for each and every one of us in the days, weeks, years ahead where we're going to need to tap into something not natural but supernatural. It's a good first step in the process because the Bible says this, every issue that you have flows out of our heart. Everything flows out of our heart. And the Word also says to resist the devil and he will flee. Not ignore. 
I, I was raised in a stream of thought, and I wasn't raised in church, but my parents were. My dad was a pastor's son. We weren't raised in church, but I know one thing that I always kind of heard here and there in my family who is filled with pastors and ministers and everything else. We get together, and I'd always kind of hear this. I remember through the years it was kind of like, yeah, don't, don't, don't talk about demons. Don't, don't mention the devil. There, there was this thinking that if you talked about him or focused on him, somehow he's going to take over your life. And I think that that's a, that is a trick of the enemy because we have been given authority of the name of Jesus Christ. We are filled with the Spirit of God. And we can resist the devil and put him in his place under our feet. I found this. God doesn't want to be second place, third place, fourth place. God wants to be first place. If you had to do a self-evaluation, which is what we're talking about, Lord, examine me, Lord. In other words, he tells him, get rid of the idols, search your heart, see where you have focused on something else, and bring yourself back to a place of just simple obedience to what I'm telling you to do. Some of you come in on Sunday mornings, you're you're 97% sold out. Then Monday morning hits and you're 67%. Tuesday hits, you're 43%. Listen, we're supposed to be 100% sold out to the purpose of God every day of our life. Let me give you some ways I evaluate my heart. First thing that I begin to look for, and this is something we don't often think of, I ask God, Lord, am I offended in anybody? Is Is there any unforgiveness in my heart? Lord, is there any unconfessed sin that is blocking your presence from operating by defeating the enemy in my life? Wrong motivations. You're getting deep with God when you actually start to ask God, why did I just do what I just did? What motivated me to do that? What what motivated me? Even good things, church, because at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit will be like, yeah, that was pretty selfish, actually. That's purifying. That's getting down to the nitty-gritty. Domestic issues. Domestic, yes, your relationship with your husband or spouse can either help or hinder your relationship with God. It's right there in the Bible. Lee and I do not have arguments. We have intense fellowship. That's, That's what we call it around our house, intense fellowship. But it it says in the Word that if we're not in unity, my prayers will be hindered. My point is today is when we examine our hearts, we can just simply say, God, where am I not obedient? Am I not obedient to be a giver? Some of you are visiting here right now and you're like, I knew it. Just all them churches just after money. (laughs) Yes, God woke up this morning, looked at Gabriel and said, did you see so-and-so's bank account? We got to get into that. God has no wants whatsoever. (laughs) What God puts before us is blessing and cursing. What God puts before us is life and death. Choose blessing. Choose life. Choose Him. Choose His way. And your life will be more blessed on accident than what you could ever do on purpose by yourself. Because there is a process to the promise. We want the Lord is my helper. We want God's presence to be on our side against the enemy. We want the enemy to be pushed back out of our families. We want the enemy to be pushed back out of our country in the debauchery and the sickness and the sin culture, the sickness that we see all around us. 
The demonic sickness that we see all around us, we want that pushback. But listen, it has to start with us. It has to start with us. The word one is not in God's vocabulary. God doesn't want for anything. Look at verse 5 with me. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mitzvah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mitzvah, they drew water. Everybody say water. And poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. Now look back this way. When I saw water mentioned there, I must admit that it caught me as a little strange. I'm like, they poured water out. And and this happened at a different time frame, but I thought of the story of Elijah. And the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, we're going to talk about this in depth in a few weeks, but the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel was that the challenge has been set. Jezebel and the ungodly king and Jezebel of the time, the challenge has been set. You get all of your prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth, which would have been close to 900, almost 1,000 prophets. You just had little Elijah that said, yep, let's build a big altar on top, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite it. Listen, it was the Super Bowl. (laughs) You knew I'd work that in there somewhere, Sean. It was the all eyes. All, so all the people of Israel have been notified that there is going to be. And he says, you take you take a bull. I'll take a bull. You guys put it on the altar. And I tell you what, you guys can even go first. And in that story, it, there's something in there that you could just read right by and miss. And it's the same thing in this story. And it's the water. Now, the reason that that's important in the context of the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, when they've built this big altar, and Elijah says this, you guys go first. There's a thousand of you and one of me. God doesn't need numbers, church. You hear me? And he says, Who, whichever God answers by fire, he's God. They're like, challenge accepted. And so they begin to dance and they begin to 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 cry out, God, answer by fire. God, answer by fire. And it says, from morning clear up to midday, nothing's happening. So I love Elijah. Elijah's got a little hood in him. I'm telling you right now. He, I'm telling you. That's the kind of church I want to pastor. Barely saved and just a little hood. That's, that's, I like to pastor Peter people. Peter, Peter carried a knife. He's going to cut somebody's ear off. You know what I'm saying? South side of the kingdom people. You say, why would you say that? Because Elijah called bears out of the woods because somebody called him baldy. That's hood. I'm just telling you, that's hood. That's hood. Eat him up. Call me. Now, I bet you nobody called him baldy again. So he starts, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe you need to wake him up. Send him a text message. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's on vacation. You know, he starts taunting them. They're dancing around. They begin to cut themselves. And then there's a point in the story where it says that they took water and began to pour it out upon what they wanted to see consumed by fire. They poured out water. Now, here's the interesting part of that. And here's why when we examine our hearts, here's the way that we examine it. Because if if tens of thousands of people had gathered during a drought, (laughs) what was it that they had the most lack of? Water. Water. So he tells them, pour out water. 
So if you're going to leave with your family and, and walk, literally, maybe some of them walked a couple days to get to this meeting, the Super Bowl of, of challenges with the God of heaven, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of this world, little G, the devil who is under our feet as the people and the bride of Christ. Come on, somebody. There's, there, so what they would have done is said, hey, we're not going to be able to get water because every brook is dried up. The, the crops are failing. Water, it hadn't rained in years. So they would have brought the very thing that was most precious to them. And I love how the story says that they did it three times. And I'm like, three times? And I'm like, some joker was holding their water back. Amen? It's like me. I'm going to take up three offerings from now on. One at the beginning, one in the middle, and one at the I will get what is in there. Amen? Because he's like, take up another offering. Somebody's holding back. So when every, listen to me, when everything that they saw as precious had been given over for the purpose of God, Listen to me. It is the process of the promise that we see here when he says to them, the first place that you have to come to in order to see God as my help is you've got to examine your heart to see if there's anything between you and God. And think about this for a minute, that very thing. And this is so important for us. You say, what would God want me to sacrifice to him? If we're talking about altars in our church, because we want to alter our lives, we want to change our lives, but God says if you'll build an altar to me of my presence, your life will change more by just being near me than what you could ever do on your own. And the very thing that was most precious to them is the very thing that they poured out. So if you're asking yourself, God, what do you want me to put up on the altar this morning as I examine my heart? What is it that's most precious to you? Because church, I, I, this is another thing that, that I have to deal with often too, because people are oftentimes like, because here's the thing, if it's scarce and it's precious to you and you offer it to God, guess what's coming back, pressed down, shaken together and running over? <laughs> Whatever it is you gave. Because they gave all their water. He had to take up three offerings to get it all. He did. And he's like, okay, good. Because when we walk away and we think we're empty handed, honey, just begin to lift your eyes to the heaven and listen for the sound of the abundance of rain. I'm telling you this morning, listen for the sound of what God is answering by what you gave Him. And so I hear people say all the time, oh, Pastor, I don't have time to serve God. Can I give you a challenge this morning? Serve God and watch your time grow. <laughs> Young families, listen to me, because you think, I don't have time to do all that. If you want God to bless the rest of you, because you do it for a period of weeks, months, even years, and you'll look around and be like, man, I, why do all these other people struggle with, why do all these other people struggle in their finances? Because what they look in their hand, if it's not enough to meet their need, then church, we have to see it as our seed that God is calling us to offer to Him. Does that make sense? So it says in there that they began to pour water on it. And in the story of Elijah, it was the thing that was precious to them, the thing that they could give in a way. And listen, imagine this group of thousands of people making their way back and they're, they're looking at each other like, well, that was awesome. God answered by fire, burned up all the offering and burned up all the false prophets. Can I tell you, in the, year, in the days and weeks and months ahead, you're going to see God answer from heaven and burn up some of His enemies. I'm telling you. And it's a spiritual enemy that God is going to deal with. Watch it happen. But that doesn't mean that the days aren't going to be difficult because they're walking back and they're looking at each other. I'm thirsty. You're thirsty. We don't have any water. We've got to walk back three days. The kids, we've got to find water for the kids. If we don't give the kids water, we can make it three days, but they may not be able to wake it. And then you hear thunder. And imagine 
a, a cloud the size of a man's hand began to form. Why? Because somebody was praying in intercession. Somebody was, there's somebody was birthing the answer. Somebody was saying, the enemy can't hold up the heavens any longer. There has to be rain of God's presence. There has to be the rain of God's answer. There has to be what God wants to pour out upon the land. And somebody's got to birth it into existence. My whole point in my entire sermon today is some of you are sitting on God, waiting on God to do what He's already told you to do. Offer it. Put it on the altar. Give it to God. And then you'll hear the thunder. Because imagine them walking back and the raindrops start to hit. Listen, they hadn't seen rain in years. It's nothing. And it begins to fall. And can you imagine they open their mouth and the, 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 the water is just beginning to fall? And God answered. Because radical sacrifice and radical obedience is what we see here. We want to advance in 2024. We want the devil to be under our feet. And I'm telling you as a believer, fellow believer, that is a possibility in your life. But we have to start by asking God to examine our hearts. Number two, be ready for radical sacrifice and obedience. Be ready for radical sacrifice and obedience. Listen, just like I just talked about, God wants to rain down in your life. But it will not come unless you're willing to pour out the cup that you have. Amen? Amen. Radical obedience and sacrifice. It's putting your whole self into your relationship with God. It's putting every ounce of who you are upon the altar to Him. I don't talk about this super often. I mentioned it just a few minutes ago. But really my entire life has been just a series of radical obedience. Hearing the voice of God and obeying the voice of God, leaving behind lucrative job offers, leaving behind friends, leaving behind houses, leaving behind vehicles, leaving behind everything. But listen, listen to me. I came to tell some folk this morning that there is nothing. You cannot outgive God. You can't do it. And, and, and many of you, some of you may be sitting there saying, oh, he's, you may just be new here and you're like, is he a prosperity preacher? I'm a blessing preacher. I don't believe we should live in lack. I do not believe we should live under the heel of the enemy. I do not believe as a child of God that there isn't anything in my way currently that God, through my obedience and through my radical sacrifice, cannot fix and change. But there's a process to the promise that God has for each and every one of us. Look at verse 10 and we're going to wrap up. Buddy, if you'd come, please. Just play behind me. I don't know what the answer for you is. I don't know what God, when you examine your heart, would say, lay this up on the altar this morning. I I don't know. But I do know God well enough to know that when we identify it and then we pour it out to Him by way of obedience and sacrifice, we can expect God's help in every circumstance. And I'll say this just by way of maybe the wheels are turning in a direction I'm not going. God has helped me even when I didn't deserve it. Amen. But God lays out in His Word very clearly of how to operate the kingdom. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. And faith is such a huge part of it. 
understanding that God does not want you to live in lack and live, live under the enemy's heel and his stuff going on in your life. Everybody say radical obedience. Radical, obedience. radical, sacrifice. radical sacrifice. Look at verse 10 and we'll wrap this up. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. <laughs> Look back this way real quick. I didn't plan on saying this. When you make this decision, expect the enemy to show up. I'm sure there had been a decree from the Philistines, no large gatherings, because if they gathered in large groups, they may form an army and come and kick us out. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. Now notice this. God did not thunder from heaven until they examined their heart. They poured out their cup because there is a process to the promise that God has made to you. It started with the examining of the heart. It started with them pouring out something to the Lord, offering something to God. Then Ebenezer's were built and the enemy is defeated. And if you just read that part and not the first part, it would seem God just randomly thunders from heaven and defeats the enemy. That's why picking up a passage and not in context, you don't see what somebody did in obedience to get the answer that they are walking in. Because God responds to obedience, a pure heart, and a poured out cup. And stand with me this morning, because number three is simply this. And this is so important. I love that they chose to sing the song, I'm going to see a victory. I didn't ask for that. I didn't intend for it. It was what our worship leader felt led to put in our worship song today. Because here's my third point, and I'm going to close. Expect God to move on your behalf. What am I saying? Raise your faith level to a place where you aren't wondering if God's going to move in 2024. You move from a place of maybe God will and maybe I'm going to live under the hand of the enemy and maybe my finances are going to continue to go downhill. And I know, trust me, I know, I've got two teenagers, two of them driving. I know what insurance costs. I know what, I know what an 18-year-old, 200-pound, 6'4 kid can eat when he walks in the door from work. I know. <laughs> It's like, I can't eat this week because you just ate everything, bro. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Where's my, where's my oatmeal cream pie? It's gone. Gone. God desires this morning to raise your level of faith and move from maybe to a place where I have examined my heart. God, you have identified this, and now I'm going to choose this morning to pour it out upon the altar. I'm going to raise an Ebenezer. I'm going to build an altar, and I'm going to pour out something that I think is precious to me in this moment. And then we move into a place where we, when you have done everything that you can in obedience to God's Word, then you can have an expectation that our God is going to answer in His timing, in His way, but He's going to answer with thunder and He's going to back the enemy up off of you. He's going to show you territory that He's stolen away in your life because the enemy only comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but my God has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. Can I get an amen this morning?
So let's do what the Scripture says. Just bow your heads there and let's examine our hearts in this moment. Lord, that's a, that's a tough, dangerous prayer. Because, Lord, you don't shine a light in order for us to fear from it. You shine a light to expose what the enemy is doing. Listen to me for just a minute. For some of you right here, right here, listen to me. We love John 3.16. We love it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whomsoever shall believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I love John 3.17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him they may have life. But then we stop there and we don't get down to 18. And it says this. The people who stay in darkness and do not come to and believe in the light love their darkness more than they love light. You may have been coming in here week after week for months. Week after week. But you're holding on to something. Today is the day to lay that thing down and let God examine that. In other words, where the enemy operates is always in darkness. God operates in truth and light. So He operates here in darkness, so you have to shine God's light and just open that room up this morning and say, God, I know this is here. You know it's here. (laughs) The enemy knows it's here because he's gotten a hook. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. What that means is give him a hook. Give him a territory in your life. God, devil's camping out on some of your land, in your family and in your finances and in your job situation and, and whatever, in your health. The enemy's camped out in some of your all's health. And I'm telling you this morning, examine your heart and then allow God to lay something on your heart that you can offer by way of sacrifice. Because listen, radical obedience and radical sacrifice is what God is calling for His bride and His body in the season now, in the season of 2024, and the years beyond. Because lukewarm, halfway, half-baked Christianity is not going to bring our culture back to God. It takes radical obedience and radical sacrifice. And then thirdly, this morning, we can expect God to move. So Holy Spirit of God... We pray right now with our heads bowed as a symbol that we humble ourselves in our hearts before you. And Father, we say, examine us. Search us, as David said. See if there be anything. Lord, I I believe that sometimes even in my heart is just doubt of your goodness and doubt of your love and doubt of how much you're for me. Lord, I repent of that right now. Lord, whatever it is, whether we've had a, a word of offense with somebody else, whether we have unforgiveness, whether there's, there's problems in our marriage, that's for somebody right here. You and your spouse are, are divided right now. The enemy's come in and he's worked his way in and he's divided you. Let me tell you, if you want to have spiritual rule and reign over your home, you have to be in agreement together. How can two walk together unless you are in agreement? So the enemy's playing on that. The enemy's speaking to them and the enemy's speaking to your wife and are speaking to your husband and sowing these things. Listen to me this morning. Lay that out before God and say, God, I want my marriage to be close. I want my marriage to be a fair proof. I want my marriage to be blessed. I want my marriage to be blessed so that my family and my home is blessed. And it takes unity. Some of you need to identify that and just pour it out right now before the Lord. Lord, 
For everybody here, it's something different for each and every one of us individually. But corporately, God, we say as Christian Center Church, as we see the judgment, the the heavy hand of the Lord coming down and exposing ministries and exposing people's hearts. God, I pray today that You, God, would move in this place in such a way that there's nothing hidden. There's nothing behind the scenes. There's only a group of people that love You, that fear nothing but You and You alone. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom Church. Let the shaking that's happening in our individual lives and the shaking that's happening in our world, God, let it expose those things where we're building our life upon the sand because we say today, God, we want to build our life upon the rock of Jesus Christ. We want God to help in our lives, our families, our community, and our country. So, Lord, we're just one small church here in little old home Assassin, but, Father, we raise an Ebenezer in this house today. We build an altar in this place and we pour out what you desire for us to pour out. God, we know and understand there's a process to the promises that you've put before us. So, Father, today I pray for the body of Christ here at Christian Center. That you would identify, you would give us strength to lay it down and to sacrifice it. And that, Father, I pray that the fire of God would fall upon each heart, the altar of each life, the altar of each family, and it would burn up every trace of the enemy, God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask this question as I always do as we're gathered together here because there may be folks that have come in that you know that you're really far from God. You know that even at one time for some folk, I believe, are here, You were so close to Him. You lived in His presence. The ark of God was the center of your life. And you just got busy with life. You got busy with the cares of the world. You got busy with all these things. And you've just wandered away. I want to tell you the word of the Lord for you is come home. Come home to His arms. They're open wide this morning. Would you be so bold just to slip your hand up and say, God, I need to come home. I need to come home. Anybody? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray a coming home prayer right now. Heavenly Father, Father, you are the God of love, the source of all mercy. mercy. I come to you you and ask you to forgive me. me. Wash away sin out of my heart. heart. I build an altar today today. and I give you myself. myself. Create me a clean heart. Renew me today that I may live in your grace and your mercy. I turn away from my sin and I believe you paid the debt. Come to my heart. Wash me clean. Live in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, before I dismiss you, don't forget we got the offering boxes in the back. And uh, tonight at 5 at men, please come. You don't have to bring anything. We got chicken wings for you. You got a wing cook-off. We're also going to have chicken wings and desserts and other things all provided here by the church. So just come, enjoy, just pass a good time with us. We're going to hang out, watch the game. 
uh, talk a little trash. I don't have a dog in the home, but I'm a good trash talker anyway. If you're wearing a 49ers hat, I'll find something out to bug you about the 49ers. But if you're wearing a Chiefs hat, I'm going to get on the 49ers side. So if you're able to come, come tonight. Prayer tomorrow at 630. But let me bless you before you go. Father, I speak the blessings of God over the people of God, your people, the sheep of your pasture. And Lord, I feel the word in my heart right now in this moment. Little flock, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is the Father's good pleasure to show you and to cause you to live in such an abundant place. Father, I pray that abundance, I pray that blessing, and I pray that goodness of protection and mercy and the the shadow of your wings covering us. We dwell in the shadow of your wings today. So, Father, protect and watch over our families and our children and our children's children. For those online, God, I pray this blessing over them too, Father, that you would bless them coming in and bless them going out, that your face would turn towards them and shine upon them and give them peace and give them rest on this Lord's Day. Father, may we find ourselves close to your presence and close to your glory. In Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Prayer meeting tomorrow night at 630 if you're able to come.